Hello, 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 and welcome to the Song Facts Podcast. I am your host, Corey O'Flanagan. Thank you so much for being here with me. I hope you're having a fantastic day. If you want to take a minute and go leave us a nice five-star review, write a message, let us know how we're doing, we would truly appreciate that. And as always, the show is proudly a part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Now imagine chasing your dreams in your early 20s only to have things not work out as you may have hoped at the time. So you abandon all of that and for 30 years live a completely different life until all of a sudden a different generation of people discover your talents and give your dream a resurgence. Well, this is the story of today's guest, the inspiring and talented Vashti Bunyan. Tune in as I chat with Vashti about her songs and career, and be sure to check out her book, Wayward, Just Another Life to Live, which is currently available. I just love her music, and I'm so happy to have had a chance to chat with her about her incredible story. So please welcome Vashti Bunyan. Well, Vashti Bunyan, thank you so much for coming on to the Song Facts podcast. Um, first thing that I wanted to say to you was I'm driving around yesterday. My wife and I just are um, buying a house and in the process of like getting some stuff done and moving. And as we were kind of making some trips back and forth yesterday, we were listening to your your lovely music. And I just want to say that I think that the thing that came into my head is that your voice is just perfectly... Um, pairs with a violin and a cello like it's just unbelievable to me oh. i just absolutely love it with those two instruments oh thank you well i love singing to them yeah it's has good. that always been the case like string instruments have you ever played on like messed with the piano i mean i hear a lot of guitar and that kind of stuff but not too many other uh, things no i mostly just play guitar and um when i was recording i could pretend to play the piano with one finger at a time and then and then track it um so in that way i have used the piano or at least a fake piano um i would love to be able to play it properly but i i, I don't i can only play the guitar i did have violin lessons when i was very young but my teacher made me made me play twinkle twinkle little star for a whole school term i stopped that <laughs> Nah, uh, <laughs> no more good, no more violin so yeah okay so you got a little burnt out and that, that makes sense to me because I took some piano lessons a few years ago and it was around Christmas time that I was doing the first couple of lessons and it was all just like do 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 and I was like okay I've got to go a little bit beyond this yeah um, yeah yes you're not poor <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so this has been such an interesting um, interview for me to prepare for just because I didn't have any knowledge of you. And I'm so happy oh. that I do now because I just love your music and your voice. 
Um, it really just fits with like a style of music that resonates with me for whatever reason. I like folky, like really well-written, well-sung music. And your journey is just incredible as I get to learn about you. So I'd like to kind of go back to the early 60s a little bit. Okay. Where it sounds like you were in art school and you got ejected from art school because you wanted to just write music rather than draw and paint which I find pretty interesting. It seems like an art school would be open to any sort of artistic expression. I'm curious about how that experience might have shaped you a little bit. Oh, sure. Uh, I think because it was the kind of art school I was at. It was in a museum in Oxford. It wasn't part of the university, but it was in Oxford, in an old, old building and a very traditional arts art school. And... I was thrown out after two years because uh, I really preferred to be playing my guitar and writing songs and uh, <laughs> all kinds of other things that went to do with drawing and painting. And when I said to the principal of the art school, I thought that um, art was art in any medium. And he said, well, you go and do your art somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, you paint and draw. And <laughs> Oh, so I had to leave, but I'm really glad that I was able to leave. You know, I didn't, I wasn't interested in in painting and drawing, although I could do it and I had always loved it when I was a child, really, but it wasn't my ambition. Um, and I found much more joy in playing guitar and writing songs. Um, yeah. And that was in 1963, 64. And then did you go from there to just kind of like getting into an open mic scene? Like what kind of stuff were you doing after you got out of school? Um, I went to New York to visit my sister who mm. lives there, still lives there. Um, and I, I found the freewheeling Bob Dylan in a record store. And that set me on the thought that I really want to be a musician. I really want to be a traveling musician. I mean, those songs on that album just really opened my mind to yep. the, the world that I hadn't seen yet because I was too young, I was too sheltered, whatever. But that that album really educated me in a way. Same, and very much the same. Really. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, 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 just incredible and. I came back to London and went round knocking on doors, trying to find my, uh, myself a manager or an agent or anybody who would listen to me and my songs and try and help me to to record. I wanted to make records mm. and I, I wasn't very successful because I was um, I wasn't dressed in ball gowns and sequins with my hair up. I was in a, an old holy, <laughs> holy jumper with an old guitar song over my back and I. Uh, I didn't make any impression at all on the old guard. <laughs> well, maybe a I little met. bit because it sounds like you got introduced to Andrew Oldham, who was the Rolling Stones manager. And did. then did did they did it sounds like Keith Richards and Mick Jagger had a song that they were scrapping and you got to record, is that right? Uh, I don't know if they were oh, maybe they were scrapping it. I don't know, but yeah, Andrew gave me this song Something's to stick in your mind. Why does the sky turn gray every night? Sunrise again in time. Why do you think of the first love you had? 
my first single and I was outraged I didn't want to sing somebody else's songs even if it yeah. wasn't Keith Richard uh, but I did it anyway and it was the most extraordinary experience um, one of my own songs was on the b-side and uh, it was incredible to be amongst young people taking over you know because I, all the people that i'd been knocking on the doors of were the old guard the old people the old impresarios you know, and uh to be amongst people like andrew oldham and the stones and the young musicians who were playing the the arrangements um was just a wonderful feeling that yeah. things were changing things were really really changing and the young were making themselves felt it was great really good well, it was really amazing for me to to kind of hear that and just kind of get the idea of like you 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 get whatever it's called ejected or let go from art school you kind of go on this self-discovery journey figuring out what it is that you want to do and who you're going to be um you get to record a couple of these songs and you said it in passing but i want to talk about one of these songs because the name of it i believe is train song is that right that was on the b side okay Um, and this song is just it wasn't no that was the next one a year later i left andrew his wonderful orchestrations and his incredible life force (laughs) Uh, because it didn't work that single didn't work it didn't sell Mm -hmm. um and i met a canadian producer called peter snell who recorded train song with me with just a cello and a double bass and two guitars Mm -hmm. and that was what i really wanted to do so yes, that was Train Song, and that was a year later. Put out on Columbia, and nobody played it. But anyway, what were you going to say about it? Well, what I was going to say is like we're going to get into like this resurgence that you've had since the early two thousands. But okay, the song Train Song, which just a little quick stat I'm not sure you're aware of, currently has almost eighteen million streams on Spotify, which just. <laughs> For someone who didn't sell when it first came out, that's got to just be an incredible thing to think about. Um, yes. I, and you've given a little bit of the story. I'd like you to go a little bit more in depth. Like, did you write this a while ago? Did you write it for this recording session? What's the story behind this one? Well, that was when I was still at art school and a friend that I, I shared a, a bed sit with um, had a guitar and we started writing songs together. We wrote a song together called 17 Pink Sugar Elephants. And <laughs> <laughs> later on, I met a poet called Alistair Clare in Oxford who had this lovely song called Train Song but he didn't have any music for it. And I put the 17 Pink Sugar Elephants tune to his words for Train Song. And so my friend Jenny and I share the royalties for Train Song 
and and That's Alistair amazing. actually Alistair is no longer with us but his nephew gets the royalties for the words and I just love that I love that it has been something that has grown despite none of us doing anything for it you know it was released in 1966 and yeah. my friend Jenny and Alistair and I have been just it's not just the royalties, but it's the recognition of that song that has been so extraordinary for, for all of us. Just so that, And it's been used in adverts, it's been used in, in uh, film scores, you know, it, it's just, it's grown without me having to do anything for it at all. Yeah. <laughs> just remember it and remember the session and remember how incredible it was to be just recording a song simply and uh, that it has worked all these years later is lovely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that the the, the resurgence of these things and how they mm -hmm. filter through, I mean, good art is going to find a way to people who, who are looking for it. And I, I think that your tale is a testament to that because there's a lot of... Um, this kind of leads nicely into my next question and the next song I want to talk about because there's a lot of... If you search for you online, there's so many people that are even now discovering your music and have been very impacted by that. And I imagine at the time of your life that you're at now, this has to be an amazing feeling of stuff that's, whatever, 50, 60 years old for you, incredibly. Yes. And so the next song that I wanted to talk about, and I think the one that I resonate most with that I've heard so far is um, I'd Like to Walk Around in Your Mind. it's because just lyrically I think that it can kind of take whoever's listening to it on a journey and it can be interpreted in, in many different ways um, but I did find someone discussing it online and I was curious to bring this to your attention and see what your thoughts were they said I really like the line I'd like to run and jump on your solitude and they said that this is just such a sweet line to me. Um, the person is sad and alone and the speaker wants to crash in on their unhappy state and wake them up and help them have fun again. And I am just curious if this listener had some insight into where your head was at at the time as you wrote this. Uh-huh. I think uh, it was frustration with somebody who just wasn't going to take any risks or um yeah another line is you see the end before the beginning has ever begun um mm -hmm. it was frustrating that he wouldn't i mean this is about a real person it wasn't just a made-up person it's about a real person yeah. who would not take any risks with commitment i suppose in 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 today's language it would be that he was a commitment phobe <laughs> but then, <laughs> then it was just frustrating that he wouldn't he wouldn't take life on wouldn't take any risks and uh yeah i'd like to run and jump on your solitude he just wanted to be left alone poor guy 
<laughs> and I want- so not even like someone who is like, an, I, I go to like a romantic type relationship where you're like, no, like, let's try this as us. And this yeah. person's like, I don't want to settle down into a relationship. I'm either happy on my own or I just want to like, you know, be with this person this time and this person this time and that kind of thing. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, well, not so much that last bit, but yeah, just generally he didn't want to be um, part of a, a couple. Uh, he wasn't He wasn't ready for that. Um, and I was. <laughs> I really liked him and I really wanted to be with him, but he was not, he he was not in that place. And uh, for me, it was frustrating because I thought we could be so great. Um, And he just wasn't having it at all. Yeah. He wanted, (laughs) he wanted to be solitary. Poor guy. Why, why couldn't I just leave him alone? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good, that's another good way to spin it. But then you just go ahead and write this beautiful song about it, which I certainly appreciate. When was that song written? Was that written around the same time in the mid to late 60s? 66, yes. Yeah, 66 into 66. No, uh, yeah, end of 66, it would have been. Yeah, and I recorded it in 67, but it never came out. Stay tuned for more Song Facts podcast right after this. Pantheon Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. So I wanted you to chat a little bit about, I got just like a blurb of this, but I'm curious about this story of you going on like, is it a horse and carriage and going up from somewhere in England and making your way up to the Isle of Skye? Yep. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so I got to understand this. Like, there's there's vehicles at this time. This was a choice. It was a you choice. Just, I, yeah, so. I'm like, is this someone just trying to slow down? Like, the, the way of living was just too fast for them, and it's like, I just need to, like, go on this journey? I'm, I'm so curious about this time. Well, <laughs> 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 it 
Well, my first single with Andrew Oldham didn't work. My second single, Train Song, didn't work. Nobody heard it. And then I made more. I made I'd Like to Walk Around in Your Mind. And I thought that was going to be it because I loved the recording. I loved everything about that song. But it was never released. And mm -hmm. a couple of other things like uh, Winter is Blue and Coldest Night of the Year, those were all not released properly. And I became just totally disillusioned with the whole thing. I thought, oh, well, I must be no good. And I met this uh, art student who um, was living in, in, a, in a wood behind his art college under a rhododendron bush. <laughs> and I went to join him under a rhododendron bush. And um, we got thrown out of that wood. And on the way out, we decided what we really needed was a house on wheels that we couldn't get thrown out of. And we could go wherever we wanted. And then, uh, ah, but we'd need a horse <laughs> because horse, <laughs> horses don't need petrol. And we didn't have any money for petrol. So we thought, ah, mm -hmm. a horse and a cart, that would do it. And by some incredible miracle, that time that we were thrown out of the wood with all our possessions and a friend came to pick us up, we found a little wagon and a horse on the way back that being thrown out of the wood. We found a horse and a wagon. And at that time we met um, a, a friend, had a friend called Donovan Leach, who was a singer. And he had just bought some land on the Isle of Skye that he wanted to people with people are uh, sympathetic people artists and painters and writers and everything not as a commune but just to have those people on his land and that sounded like a very good idea to us and he went up in his land rover we went up with a horse and cart and it took us a year and a half and it hadn't occurred to us that it would take that long but it was an incredible journey to just leave everything behind. I didn't want to be a singer anymore. I didn't want to be anything anymore. I just wanted to get to where we were going. And I don't know, I actually can't remember what was in my head at the time. I think probably not very much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the beauty of youth, right? I think um, yeah. it's an amazing like there's so many people now that have gravitated towards like van life and, and getting rid of having to pay rent and do anything like that and just living out of this very small space. And that's you were kind of like the original <laughs> connoisseur of it, but just doing it in a much different way, which I just absolutely love. I'm endlessly fascinated by this. It, it was partly just out of necessity because neither of us had any money. Uh, neither of us had family who were supporting us. And... It just seemed like the only thing that we could do, really. Um, and it, it wasn't like it was a conscious decision or um, any kind of statement or uh, any any rebellion or anything like that. It was just what we did. <laughs> and, uh, just taking a journey for the sake of taking a journey. Because we had a destination in mind. The north of Scotland, well, you know, northwest of Scotland, the Isle of Skye, from south of London all the way up <laughs> to the Isle of Skye and it took us a year and a half and it was the most 
incredible education for me, um, for uh, my dog. <laughs> 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 um, it, yeah, it was it was a, a, a fantastic journey, and I, I wrote songs along the way without thinking of recording them. I never wanted to set my foot in a studio again ever, but uh, I did write songs, and it was to keep us going mostly. You know, not not to not with the thought of making an album or anything like that i just wanted to keep keep our spirits up really because it was quite hard yeah uh yeah i can only imagine i mean did you did you feel like the songs that you were writing during that part of your life were different because you relieve yourself of the pressure of these might see the day of light in a studio someday yeah i'm sure yes i'm sure that that led to them being very different but also my partner at the time said, why don't you stop writing these miserable little love songs <laughs> and, <laughs> <laughs> and write about the wonderful world around you. And that's, that's kind of what I did. And, uh, so what went on after this then? So you, you do that and then for me, there's, and I'm sure that the, you're the reason, one of the reasons that we're talking here is you have this, um, this book that came out last year that's now getting released in America called Wayward, Just Another Life to Live. Um, and I'm I'm curious what's this, for people that are listening who haven't read the book and may not know your story, in the early 2000s, some folk musicians, just people in the music industry rediscovered your music and it had this massive resurgence where within a couple of years of that, your now out playing live you're recording more songs that you're writing like just this incredible thing that must have i don't know must have felt like it came out of nowhere for you i'm curious about that this 30-year gap right what was going on well <laughs> well you might well ask i don't know what was going on but I, I did i i halfway through the journey i met joe boyd the producer joe boyd and he wanted to make an album of the songs and he persuaded me back to the studio. And we made an album called Just Another Diamond Day, which was never really properly released. It sort of came out in 1970, but it was totally ignored. Nobody spoke about it. Nobody I knew spoke about it. I didn't like it myself. I thought it was too folky, too fey, too, too gentle. And I abandoned it completely for 30 years. I went, wow. I, I just lived my life. I had my kids and we lived in a, an extraordinary life, but with no music in it whatsoever. I didn't even sing to my kids. Music was something that I'd thrown out of my life. But incredible! in the year 2000, the, the album was reissued to a completely different response, a totally different generation who understood it in the way that my contemporaries never had that this time I could read lovely things said about it. And uh, it was an extraordinary experience for me to have people say good things about my music because nothing had ever been said about it. And so getting onto the internet and finding out that actually this, this stuff still exists, you know, I thought it was completely yeah. forgotten. And then with the reissue, I don't know. It just it unlocked something. Um, I was able to pick up my guitar without it sounding sad to me. 
Yeah. And uh, I started writing songs again. And yeah, I made two more albums. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yes, there was that huge gap of the 30 years without any music in it. And then suddenly, a lot, a lot of music, a lot of people, a lot of new, new musical friends that I had never had before. I never played with anybody before. In, in my old life, my old music life, I never played with other musicians really or or had anything much to do with other musicians. I didn't know them. And yeah. to come to this totally different time where I met lots of wonderful musicians and and collaborated with people that I would never have dreamed of doing and uh yeah wow how different different yeah i mean it's just an incredible thing i mean th that's what i was didn't know is that i didn't I, I kind of thought so because i couldn't find any information about those those 30 years but i was like it seems like she just completely left this life that she'd been living behind yeah and then found it again yeah which i just think is a huge testament and like like it's a good way for people to learn i think as we get older we tend to not try new things as much. And although this wasn't trying something new, essentially it was because it had been 30 years. That's, an, that's a whole other lifetime. That's multiple lifetimes, really. And absolutely, absolutely. You... And, I, and I, had, I didn't do any live performance when I was young. And then suddenly I was being asked to do stuff on the stage. Oh, my God. But it was great. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm so lucky to have that, yeah. that second second go at it um did you feel nervous at all because did you look back on your time in the mid 60s early 70s doing music as a failure and in, in a part of your life and that you were like i don't want to revisit that though i don't have good memories from that or was it something that you were open to well i think in in the few weeks before the reissue of diamond day i was terrified that it was going to be the same, <laughs> same thing, nursery rhymes, you know. Um, but it was so different. And and yes, I was very scared. I was very scared, but I, yeah. I, I, I didn't need to be because the response to it was just, well, it was magical, really. Slightly surreal. <laughs> to, I can only imagine. Yeah, to be <laughs> revisiting something that I had left behind so long ago. Uh, yeah, uh, and the first stage performance, yes, I was shaking. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, how lucky I am. So then where did the um, the idea for Wayward Just Another Life to Live, where did this come from? Was this just um, you just saying, you know what, I've got a story to tell and I want to put it out there? Yes, it, 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 I started it years and years and years ago as a way of trying to explain to my children what their parents had been like and what their lives had been like. <laughs> <laughs> along. And the reasons for it, or you know, trying to trying to figure it out for myself, really. Uh, but it wasn't until lockdown that a, a friend called me um, and, and he said, so what are you doing? And I said, oh, what am I doing? Oh, my goodness. Um, oh, I'm writing. And it was a complete lie. <laughs> <I wasn't. laughs> and 
he said, oh, I know somebody who would be very interested to read what you're writing. And that was uh, Lee Braxton of White Rabbit, who who I, I did send him some of what I'd written. And uh, yeah, he, he uh, signed me up to White Rabbit and I wrote the rest over the rest of lockdown, in fact. And uh, thank goodness I had the time for not not the best of reasons, but I did have yeah to 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 actually make myself finish what I'd started all those years before, and it, yeah, it was yeah, that's good. I mean, sometimes you have to like like that lie that you told your friend. Sometimes you we we have to do things like that in order to get the motivation that we need. Because now that be, now it became real, and you're like, now I kind of have this accountability, so I've got to put something down. I've got and to do it. I'm, I'm happy that you did. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it was. Uh, I did. I did enjoy writing it, but I also I did still have in mind wanting to tell my kids what 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 it had all been about and uh, try to describe to them the kind of life that that I had before they came along and uh, and explain to them a few of that. I mean, I did carry on with that kind of life. Um, the diamond day kind of life out in the country with all kinds of animals and people and and kids um i did carry on with it and that's how they grew up but i wanted to explain to them how it had started <coughs> excuse me and uh, i think that has worked <laughs> they now know yeah they now know all the stuff that i did that i never mentioned to them about the earth. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm really happy for that. And I mean, not a better reason than anyway to just kind of tell your story to your children. I think that that's, I think that that's really great. Um, I only have one more question for you. And it's kind of a reflective question. But since you've had this really unique career and this really unique perspective now that you're kind of on the, the tail end of it, and I'm curious, when you look back at your life and career now, um, what knowledge would you share with your younger self when you were making some of these pivotal decisions that you made in the 60s and 70s? What would I share with myself too? Um, I think one of my big problems when I was very young and first starting with music was that I would compare myself to other people and find myself wanting. And I think what I would say, looking back now and seeing what has happened, is that everybody is so different and that you have to celebrate that difference really and keep going with it and not not feel that you're not as good as another person or you can't do this or you can't do that, that you could do what you do and you go with it. And uh, I just wish that I had had a little bit more faith in myself and in my own music. Could have done with the internet back then. <laughs> <laughs> Virality is a real thing. <laughs> well, there was no feedback, you know, there was, there was no, yeah. nowhere I could go to find out if it was any good or not. And so I would love to be able to tell that young woman, it's okay. You've done something that's okay. And you don't need to feel bad about it. That's what I'd like to see. Yeah. 
I think that that's as good a thing as any. And I mean, I think the thing that it kind of relates to is because of the, the t- whatever, what happened in the early 2000s with you putting this other album out and the resonating that it had, mm-hmm. just to try, just, just try. Just try. The, the only, like, you can't, if, as long as you tried, you can't really fail. The, the failure would be just not trying. Um, that's always the perspective I've taken on is like, well, I gave it my best shot. So if, pe- if it didn't resonate with people, that's nothing I can do about that. I can't change how they are. All I can do is be me and just try to continue to be me in whatever moment that we have right now. And I, I think that that's amazing. I, I, Vashti Bunyan, I can't thank you enough. This has been lovely. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Sure. And I'm, time. I'm so, <laughs> I, I, I'm just, I'm so grateful to have discovered your music we have a nice couple hour drive up to the mountains and we're gonna put it on and just enjoy the rest of our day with it and thank you so much for your music and your story and your time and um thank you it's been lovely to talk to you and i hope you have a great time out in the hills thank you so much to vashti for coming on to the show such an incredible story and really just a testament to how keeping your mind open and not closing doors completely behind you can just transpire new things in life at times that we may just never expect as always for the stories behind the songs go to songfacts.com and have a great day thank you so much it's nfl draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football fantasypoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points fantasypoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play whether you play fantasy football daily fantasy sports or do a little bit of everything fantasy points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.